Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast will contain descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature and are for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. These facts I'm retelling were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Woody Overton, and my co-host, Jim, the hitman, Raffman. What's up, Jim? What's going on, Woody? Nothing, man. You under the weather a little bit? A little bit. All the all the travel and um, I think I'll just, I don't know, all the weather changes and whatnot going from Louisiana to Miami to Orlando back to Louisiana. Yeah. It's caught up to me. <laughs> it caught up to me right after the lives last weekend. But anyway, all right. Well, um, 
we're going to do an episode today, y'all, and this this will be the final episode of season three of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And we love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. And we're going to get straight into the episode of the crew bash real quick. Y'all, you better get your tickets. There's not many left. And this is not something where we can slide you in the back door or whatever. The fire marshal is going to be there. It's a concert hall. Uh, it's, it's an awesome venue that's set up at, you know, the open floor in front of the stage. And then there's a balcony that wraps around up top. Uh, the service is going to be great. The music's going to be great afterwards. Jim and I are going to do a show. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jim, you already know. The, this is an adult one. It's it's a Valentine's Day themed. It is going to have more sex in in adult stuff, and it, it almost makes me blush. We Jim and I've been uh, preparing for it, but it's going to be descriptive. It's going to be crowd interactive. Uh, uh, it's going to be amazing. So. Looking forward to it. Get your tickets, everybody. They're not going to last much longer. Yeah, yeah. And it's thirty-five bucks. I mean, uh, on Eventbrite.com, and I promise you, there won't be any left at the end of this week. So, yep, bring your credit card, your cash. There's going to be a couple of bars in there. You have music by Tom Play. Um, they'll be playing for a couple hours after Woody and I. Right after we get off the stage, we'll uh, do a lot of meet and greets with everybody, take pictures. But we're going to have some drinks. We're going to cut it up. This is going to be. A massive bash. Yeah. A lot to celebrate. Over a million downloads. Woody's birthday. Uh, one year for the podcast. Um, there's just there's a ton. So come out and have fun. But honestly, since last week, tickets just took off like a wildfire. Um, hopefully, there'll be more. There'll be some available by the end of this weekend. But go on there and get them because it's, it's not going to be much longer. Right, right. And y'all, the crew, uh, Orion's parade runs before the concert so you get to go downtown and watch a parade if you want to and, and stuff it's just gonna be a kick-ass evening uh and it'll be a lot of fun we're gonna have uh the big drop backdrops set i think we're gonna do three of them jim and, and uh for the crowd in in the back you know when we get done we take photos and uh, but fans can take photos in front of them by themselves but we're gonna be there yeah. the whole time hanging out Pictures, drinking, dancing, cutting up, having a good time. And the, yeah. the band's actually going to play, I think, for like four hours uh, uh, after we get done. So, I mean, it's just not going to be a, a couple-hour deal. This is an all-nighter. So, And I know a lot of fans Agreed. A lot of fans are staying downtown that are coming in from out of town and all that. So, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. So, without further ado... Let's get started on today's episode. Now, y'all, today's episode is, is, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know about being dumb, I guess. <laughs> I, I, what are we going to call it, Jim? You? you, you know, you sometimes you think you have the great idea and then you realize your plan just sugar turned to shit. Yeah, this um, for sure, right? <laughs> You'll what do you want to name it, Woody? Let's say Young and Dumb. Young and Dumb. Let's do it. All right. So, the y'all, um, the year was 2006. Jim and I were both detectives for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. And it was the week mm-hmm. before Thanksgiving. And that's no, the week, week of Thanksgiving. It was the day before. Yeah, that's right. Days before Thanksgiving when it started. It, uh, the And it took... 
place, <laughs> listen to my bird outside back at the cabin, took place in the town of uh, Springfield, Louisiana. Now, let me tell them about it, Jim. I'll take a second because I spent so much time yeah, there. Man. Springfield is on the east side of the parish. It borders the Tangipope Parish line. Tangipope Parish is the parish just east of Livingston. Now, literally, the the town has one main road that runs through it, Highway 22. Uh, well, 42 runs into 22, but it's still, it's just one road, one stoplight. Uh, it has a police department and it has a full-time chief and, and his name is Jimmy Jones has been there as long as I've been in law enforcement, probably. Um, the, if you're coming into town, whichever way you come into town, if you come into town from Tangipo Parish, you cross the bridge, you cross the river and you are literally at the stoplight. Uh, on your right hand side was the Hancock Bank, and directly across the street is the police department. I mean, I mean, directly across the yep. street in front of me, and directly across the street, the you, if you're sitting in the Springfield Police Department, and you walk out the door, you're looking at the Hancock Bank. Okay, so it's a small <laughs> town. There's no houses in the town, like right there on Main Street. I mean, it's Main Street. It, it, it runs right through. That's the only red light. The it's miles and miles, like ten miles from the interstate in any direction, at least. Um, you know, it's not something that you a town where you want to go commit a crime and try to get away with it and escape to an interstate or something like that. The road uh, twenty two that runs out of it runs south down towards where I live. I always joke and say, I mean, how drunk did the person have to be to design this road? Because it's, you know, so curvy and I'm talking like 90 degree turns and you're not going very fast when you go out of there. Uh, right. The, I mean, it's just it, but it really is just following the waterways. Uh, if you go the other direction and, and we're 22 turns into 42 right there in front of the police station and by the bank, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, you go up a couple of miles, you can take Highway 43 to the interstate, but it's still like probably 10 miles. And then if you go straight, it's just real rural in small town America. Uh, the high school is right there. I mean, yeah, the high school is right there across the street from the bank and the, and the, and the police department. Uh, it's grown up a lot since then, Jim. They got a dollar store now, um, and all that, but the, I spent so much time there when I was in uniform patrol and it would slow down. You know, I'd like to say that we hunted dope every night. We pretty much did every night when things slowed down. And sometimes you just got tired and wanted to take a break. But we'd always meet in the Hancock Bank parking lot. And you could always tell who the rookie cop was if several units went to meet the rookie cop was the one who parked on the wrong side, like of the passenger side. Where, like, if Jim and I were going to meet, we would pull up driver's window, to driver window. But we would meet there sometimes, Jim, um, and we would get out. I probably shouldn't even say this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. We, you know, you know bored cops or probably dangerous cops, but we would get. I, I remember being there at like four o'clock in the morning. It's a Sunday night. Nobody wants to get in anything. You work the whole weekend. And we would get out in the parking lot and unload our, our firearms and, and everybody checked each other's firearms, make sure they were unloaded. And then we'd line up in a line and have twi- uh, quick draw contests. 
<laughs> to see who could who could draw the weapon the fastest. I'm mean, serious, like old west shit, right? And uh, but it's just you know not a lot of traffic in the town, and and uh, everybody knows everybody, and that's the the only bank in the town is that Hancock Bank. Right, and I'm sure everybody's wondering right now. Oh my God, in a parking lot drawing their weapons, but. You know, it's four o'clock in the morning, and it builds muscle memory. And, uh, oh, yeah, so it's yeah. actually a yeah. useful tool for those that are wondering. Oh, hell I mean, most most cops walk around the house doing it. Yeah, yes, yeah, true. And hell, it was fun. And I mean, it, it was bragging yeah. rights. But it's not like there was anybody. Exactly. Look, at four o'clock in the morning in Springfield, Louisiana, you could fire off a hundred rounds and not hit anything living. All right, there's nothing. And let me tell you something. <laughs> we would stand in that parking lot doing the quick draws. If somebody came through at that time in the morning. We bailed up, you know, jumped in our units when got them because they were hauling dope. I mean, there were, you know, there just, there was no traffic, right? And, and hardly any traffic during the daytime. So, but anyway, it's right. a great town, great people. Um, you know, we know the fire chief and the chief and all of them. It just, you know, it's a great, great place to, to, uh, raise a family right. and stuff like that. Small town America. So let's go back to it. Give us a, the, uh, the name, Jim, of our fine young man. The fine young man who put this all together, this master plan, is Michael McCahill. Okay, so what? Uh, out of Hammond, Louisiana. Yeah, uh, Tuttle Road in Hammond, Louisiana. Now, so, y'all, for him to get a – you can get to Hammond if you, if you uh, take Highway 22 – East in the Tangipo Parish, you have to go like 10 miles or more. And you'll come into Ponchatoula. Then you'd have to take a left on Highway 51 or use the interstate to take a left to go to Hammond. But anyway, so, uh, Mr. McCahill, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Michael McCahill. He's 22 years old and, and he decides he needs a loan. He needs some money, right? So he goes to, the Hancock Bank in Springfield, Louisiana. I think the Monday before Thanksgiving. So, so he went in there to try to get a loan on Tuesday. Okay. Tuesday, twenty-first. All right. So let me tell you all this: when you walk into this bank, it's small. All right. I mean, there, there's only a couple of tellers, and then the bank manager, uh, or assistant manager that there was like two desks to the side and the that side that where their desks are literally you look out their window and you're looking at the police station so he goes in and you know how it is y'all when you go in to, to apply for a loan at a bank you're going to go in you're going to sit down and fill out the paperwork and talk to the people and you know you're there for you know it's not a quick process, right? You're there for a while. They, they're, you're sitting there. They're talking to them. You go through your finances and the whole nine yards. So it's a couple hour process. And, and Mr. McKay Hill went through the process and spent the time with these people. And, um, ultimately he was denied for the loan. Well, okay. So he leaves. And, and now look, this bank, this, this is, it isn't like the, the uh the bank in Albany y'all what I did the story on where the where the cameras weren't working and all that uh 
I mean, this bank had cameras working and, you know, again, it was completely up to date. Yeah, completely up to date. And it's across the street from the fucking police station. So he leaves and, uh, was it the, the day before Thanksgiving? So, all right. So on the 21st of November, which is a Tuesday, right? So two days before Thanksgiving is when he went in there to try to get his loan. Now, the, the, the reasons he went in there to try to get a loan, um, he needed, he had a couple of kids. Um, he had, you know, was trying to have a stable job. It wasn't working out for him. He went in to try to get a loan. He was denied that loan, just like what he had said. So he left and he had a different plan. Now, when we say the police station is across the street, y'all, it might be 40 yards. You, like, it's that close. You could throw a rock and hit it. Uh, you could throw a rock and, I mean, and knock somebody out. That's how close it is. Uh, yeah. You, you could throw a rock through the wind from across the three street through the front station of the, uh, the window of the police station and knock out the secretary. That's how close it is. Right. I mean, it's, ridiculous. I mean, it is right, right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. so he left, he came up with his plan. So how did we come involved with this? Well, that on Wednesday, I actually was down a little bit further south of Springfield. I had, uh, and I'll never forget it. I mean, there was a, there was a death scene that I had to work and it ended up being a natural death. The, the, uh, the deceased in that one had been sick for quite some time and, and family wanted checked up on it probably about a week later after he had already passed. So we were there, was there for a few hours, processed the whole scene like we always do. Hey, and we tell, left. Tell them about that, uh, real quick, Jim, cause we, the, I don't think, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I don't think people get about how many death scenes would go out on one, and especially ones where people that uh, uh, have relatives that live out of town and, and you have to go in. Right. And, and I, I, we never told I, that story on Real Life for Crime. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I would say on a typical work week, um, two or three. Right. I mean, I, it was it was pretty common that you would come across them because we're out there just to make sure nothing's suspicious, even though the majority are all natural causes or, you know, some medical condition, things like that, or if there's foul play involved. Um, obviously, those are a lot more rare, but we will go out anyway just to make sure. And since this person was found that way, came from out of town, uh, out of town family members calling, um, and then they went and did what's called a welfare check. So they get there for the welfare check. They actually get inside, and lo and behold, uh, this person's deceased. So they'll dispatch us out. I end up getting sent out there. And so I worked it, didn't see anything, any foul play, whatnot. So after that was over with, um, I remember getting back in my my uh, detective unit, and I started driving. And I happened to be driving towards Springfield. Uh, I wasn't completely close to it, but I heard the call go out on the radio. And what I heard on the radio was actually the police chief from Springfield, Jimmy Jones. Jimmy Jones. And what he ended up calling out was, he's like, bank robbery in progress. I'm in pursuit. And so I'm thinking, huh, is he talking about the Hancock Bank? Because I can't think of another one. That, right, right. Yeah, I mean, one. literally, that's, it's right there. So he's in pursuit. So naturally, you know, especially somebody like me who's full of adrenaline and whatnot, I want to get involved. So... I start hauling ass to get try to catch up to this thing. Um, and so the uniform patrol gets involved. The police chief is still chasing them, and it goes towards Albany. 
as Woody had said, Albany is on the other side of the interstate. Um, and that's where he ended up getting stopped. So they have after this car pursuit, you know, the winding roads and some straightaways. He, he obviously he's a bank robber. He wants to get away. They were able to pin him in. And when they got him pinned in, they were trying to get him out of the vehicle. I start catching up. Right when I pulled up to the scene, they had gotten him out of the car and they had him leaned over the front of his car and he was driving a white, I believe it was a neon. Nineteen ninety five Dodge Neon. The speed demon yeah. car, right? If you gotta rob you gonna rob a bank, I've at least stolen a car that could go over eighty miles an hour. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so he was in a in a in a, in a white neon. Um, and so the first thing that I did when I walked up, they put the handcuffs on him as I walked him right over to a marked unit that had their video camera rolling. And before anybody said a word to him, I advised him of his rights right then and there before he said a word before anything at all. And I, I got that out of the way. Then we start patting him down. And one of the things I remember, he had a pair of black sweatpants over the top of blue jeans. Then he had different shirts uh, and he had a black sweater that you could actually zip up with a hoodie. And so he had clothes on top of clothes. And so why do they do that? I think we all know that sometimes you want to change your appearance to try to get away from your crime. So as you're running, you pull off the sweatpants or you pull off the sweatshirt and you ditch it, throw in a dumpster, whatever they do. And now the police are looking for somebody in all black, and now all of a sudden you got a white shirt, blue jeans. It doesn't necessarily fit the description. Maybe they'll blow right past you when they're trying to look for somebody. So that was his intended purpose. When I looked inside the vehicle, there was the bag that had a bunch of cash in it. Um, and so I, we start photographing it, uh, put them in the back of the unit, uh, a marked patrol car, and had them take them up to the Livingston Parish Jail. So, now that we're getting ready to process his vehicle, this is where it gets interesting. Jimmy Jones, the police chief, comes up to me and he says, Jim, I don't know if you know it, but he dropped something in the parking lot. Hey, and I'm thinking, okay, what did... Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to tell him what... what, what you, you, you go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. So he goes ahead and he drops, you know, he said he dropped something in the parking lot and um, the people at the bank are, are, are calling about it. And I said, well, what is it? And he goes, well, they're saying it's a bomb. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like like that, that changes the game, right? Yeah, let me back it up for him real quick. Tell him what happened in the, in the, in the robbery. The, the, uh, mm-hmm. They say what he he decides y'all on this date because he didn't get his twelve thousand dollar loan. And he dressed up like Jim said, and um, he went into the to the bank, and he had two plastic containers, and he handed the teller a note. It said, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Jim. Said, yeah, I want twelve thousand dollars cash in. Uh, Give it to me and nobody will get hurt. Yeah, he he actually had to know. Yeah, I actually said on there, I have a bomb. Yeah, he um, says, I have a bomb. I have a bomb. Now, he had, 
two plastic containers with some tape around them. And now bank employees are trained to do whatever you got to do to get, you know, don't resist, give them whatever they want just to get them out of the door. And then you lock your door and call. So he comes in and does this and gets it. Get Now, I got to say something here. All right. If I'm going to rob a bank, just like the ones, the, the guys that hit the bank in Albany, and I don't know what to this day why they had over $300,000 in that bank, uh, uh, cash, cause nobody has that, a uh, bank has that much money. But the, I mean, I'm certainly going to ask for more than $12,000. All right. I mean, I, I, I don't get the thought process on that. Look, it doesn't matter if you rob them for a dollar or $12 million. Your ass is going to prison for the same amount of time. I mean, it's just, that's just stupid. The, uh, uh, but he had, had it on his mind that he wanted 12 grand and, and that, you know, give me $12,000. I mean, what's your thought process on that, Jim? <laughs> I don't, I, I don't. <laughs> if you're going to rob a bank, you know, make sure you can live off of it for a while. And I'm not saying to advocate going out there and robbing a bank, but do something that isn't going to last very long. It's hey, not a you, smart idea. You know, one of my friends in the FBI told me, he said, if there's one crime, that he was gonna, ever going to commit that one time that he knew he could get away with, with high probability of getting away with, it would be a bank robbery. And he, of course, he would have planned it better than Mr. Uh, McHale did. You know, you want to rob a bank that's close to an interstate and has multiple getaway access points and you may, maybe the cameras are down and, you know, the, the, Armored truck just came and delivered a bunch of cash because it's Friday and they're going to be cashing checks and all this. Well, this guy did none of that. <laughs> no, he not a single bit. But the worst so, part is you, he went in and spent hours with these people just a couple, two days prior, filling out, uh, uh, putting his name all over the loan applications and everything else. And it's across the street from the police station. So, right. but what they did was, so, but just real quick, what they did was when he, he gave them the note, they gave them the money, they did what they were trained to do. They hit the alarm and they, uh, you know, they got Jimmy on speed dial. As soon as he went out the door, they called Jimmy. Well, shit, you can't make it out the door, uh, to his, his speed, speedy getaway, you know, speed racer, 1995. <laughs> white Dodge neon and Jimmy's already got the call. So Jimmy said he was literally, he ran out the door and the dude was pulling out of the parking lot. Now for him to pull out of the parking lot and go in the direction he went, he actually had to turn right in front of Jimmy. So it was no chance cat was getting away. That Dodge neon was not going to outrun that crown Vic. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Right. So to give everybody an idea of how this went down, when he walked into the bank, because obviously we're going to get the surveillance videos, what he did is he took the hoodie and he put the black hoodie over his head. He had on these dark, bigger dark black sunglasses, and he put those on. So he almost looked like the Unabomber, you know, photos that you would get, yeah. that you would see everywhere when they were trying to find him way back in the day. Right. And he walked in and went straight up to the teller, nobody in line, and he handed a note. And what he did is he had his bomb device in the left part of his sweater. So it was, it wasn't zipped all the way up. It was about three quarters. So you could, he could turn and kind of show 
uh, pulling that sweater a little bit from right to left and kind of opening it up and let her seeing that there's something there, which is what he did. He handed her a note. She sees it. He turns, kind of shows her a little bit that he has a device. She then starts putting money into a bag, hands him the bag, and he walks out. Now, he parked his his neon right in that parking lot where he could just run in and run out. It wasn't like he pulled all the way into a parking spot. When he got out there to the parking lot, he took that device from the left part of his sweater and he dropped it right there in the parking lot. Well, according to the police chief, Jimmy Jones, that's actually the first thing he noticed. He was like, Oh, this guy just dropped something. What, what is that? So that's why he was watching. Right. Then the guy comes pulling out, and he makes right. Well, one of the bank employees came running out right behind and starts pointing to him, yelling out that he just robbed us. So clearly, Chief Jimmy Jones already knows what the hell's going on. He, he pretty much put it together at this point. Um, when the bank tellers come running out, he just put it in drive. Boom. So he makes his left, and now he's right behind the suspect, Michael McCahill, as he's heading you know, and the pursuit begins from there. So back to the scene where I'm at. Chief. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year there, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well. Have you tried Astapro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this, and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those roads, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. 
Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process? You pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. Speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Sayonara. Jones starts explaining. He starts explaining that you know he left his device. Like I saw him drop a device. So now, you know, you're like, oh crap! Because if it's a real bomb, we got a major issue on our hands. So I'd already snapped some photos. I've got other uniform patrol deputies are there, and I had them, you know, rope things off and just keep it where it's at. Well, I believe, I don't know if it was you or Calvin, uh, another detective came out to kind of process that I had to go back to the bank. Yeah. And so I got in my unit and I left the scene and I went back over to the bank. And sure as shit, as soon as I pull up to the bank, which of course I didn't park in the parking lot, I kept far away and walked up, there was a device sitting in the parking lot. And when I first observed it, it looked like, it definitely, it looked like it could be real. It had, so basically what he did is he did this. He took two large paintball containers. And if you play paintball, you can have, it was completely straight. It wasn't curved when it was straight. It was a clear tube and it was large. Um, and what he did is he poked some holes off of the top and he had wires coming out of there. And then he filled the container with ended up being some sand and some uh, little pebbles to kind of give it um, some weight to it. And then he took electrical tape, and he used probably a couple of rolls worth of electrical tape to make it look like this black, big, bulky. So it had weight. You had wires. You had these containers. And it looks like a bomb. Um, and so you immediately, I have to go into the number one thing to do as a first responder, as a law enforcement is protect the people. So I now go into my, my military mind kicks in and I'm like yelling for people to get the hell away. And so I'm asking for additional units to come to the bank area to start knocking on doors, um, places of business and evacuating people from everywhere because the rule of thumb is if you can see it, it can see you. Right. Well, and the main thing too, right there, what's that, that? right. Main thing too, I remember is you're right there at that intersection. So you had the roads had to be shut down coming in from Tangipo parish, coming back from the Albany way, the, you know, the schools across the street, I think they were out for the holidays, but the, uh, I mean, you got to cordon off the whole thing. Like you said, if you can see it, yeah, you know, it can kill you. 
Absolutely. So that's always the rule of thumb. If you can see it, it can see you and you got to get away. So we spend our time evacuating everybody out of the area, roping things off. Of course, now there's a traffic nightmare. Helicopters are starting to <laughs> come overhead because obviously bank robber, um, you know, it's a good news story, right? So they're out and about. Um, but now you have this bomb device sitting in this parking lot. And we- so what do you do? I mean, you can't go up and touch it. Can't get close enough to it and have your radio go off because you don't know if the radio frequency is going to set it off. You have no idea to determine if it's real or not. Yeah. Of course, you could go ask the suspect, but are you really going to believe a guy that just robbed the bank? He's going to tell you if it's real or fake. Right. He could tell you it's he could tell you it's fake, ends up being real and taking out all kinds of people. Right. So you can't necessarily trust what his opinion is. So you have to treat it like it is completely real and it's about to go off at any moment. So now we notify the state police. And they have a bomb squad unit. Yeah. Um, in yeah. addition to that, you're going to notify the bomb squad. Well, guess who else is coming out? FBI, ATF. They're not messing around. Right. So, of course, nothing ever happens quick, just like when we call crime labs. They, they've got to get their gear. they got to be briefed. They're going to do their due diligence and get their atmospherics of where the location is, what's around it. They have to be able to approach this device in a safe manner, dispose of it in a safe manner, and they need to be able to protect themselves. I mean, you're talking about a bomb, right? So um, there's a lot that goes into it. Let me tell you you real quick. What's that? Those guys that on the bomb squad for the state police, my my office was on the uh, second story. Uh, state police headquarters when I was there and they were right. I mean, like right down the hall from me. So I'm good friends with them. Uh, uh, and they know what the hell they're doing. Uh, um, the main one last name was Poe P O E. And they actually have a training facility of North of here, right b- about four miles from where I'm sitting right now, where they train with all the live explosives and blowing it up. But they, when they come, they come correct. They come with, you know, all the equipment and the, and the, the bomb truck thing where they can blow it up inside the whole nine yards, uh, you know, set it up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. They, yeah. So they, they come fully equipped, but it takes hours. Oh yeah. So at this point, after we got everybody evacuated, they've been notified. You're just waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And the whole town is shut down. Yeah. Uh, they start showing up. And so who's the person they're going to talk to? They're going to talk to me and they're going to talk to the police chief to see what he saw. So I start giving them information. I give them background information. I, if I remember correctly, they sent somebody to go talk to uh, McKay Hill over at the, just to find out about the bomb itself. Um, but they start working their scene. Okay. Um, so you're talking from the time that this, he did this robbery until they were out there. I mean, we're, it's, it's a couple hours um, before they're taking action anyway. Um, I remember talking to the FBI agent that had came all the way from New Orleans. Right. Okay. Um, it, was like, and, it, was, it was like it was like four or five hours before Poe and them got there. Yeah. I mean, and this was, Correct. It, I mean, it was a long, long time. Yeah, very long time. So I'm not going to say exactly what it is that they do because I don't want to give away something that they do that. I mean, when we're talking about bombs here, people, uh, this could hurt any, everybody and anybody. So, I mean, I know the process that they took. I'm going to explain the best I can without giving away their secrets or tips. Okay. So, um, you know, 
once I was able to give the FBI and the bomb squad with the state police the information, they then start coming up with their tactical plan. So any photos and videos that we have at that point, we would show them um, the description of the device. And at that point, now the scene is theirs. So even I'm just in the background just watching and waiting because I can't go into the actual bank yet, right? The note's still in there. The videos are still in there. Um, that The bank is completely empty, but we can't go in. It was left exactly how it was. So they go ahead and, um, you know, they have their, their devices that they'll use to go capture images so they can get a good plan of what they're going to do next. So after they've assessed, and I do mean everything, they came up with their plan of what they're going to do. So they put that plan into action. They went and let's just, I just, I think Woody, just for safety reasons and just, we don't want to give away their tactics. They dispose of the bomb correctly. Okay. They got it. They dissected it. Whatever the, let, the scene is now. Let me let me say let me say this: the, the, the it's not about giving away police tactics. There's not a person in the United States of America who hasn't seen a movie where or somebody had a bomb or whatever, or hadn't seen on the news. I mean, they show it on the news what they do once they recover the device. Had, uh, in, if it's still suspect or whatever, they put it in the container and they self detonate it to blow it up to see if it's real or not. That's not giving away police tactics. I mean, that's just common knowledge. But, uh, and, and so that's what was done. Right. So the scene is now safe. We go back on finally all that traffic, um, you know, starts moving again. I go into the bank and the note is still right there on the counter where he put it down at. So I get pictures of it. Um, start working the surveillance video. I get the surveillance video of him pulling into the bank, walking into the bank, handing the teller the note, showing a device, him going back out of the bank, dropping the device in the parking lot, getting in his super hot ride that he had, uh, you know, try to get away from police. He made his right. We got video of that. We have him leaving the building. But more importantly, we have the police chief across the street also who was in his car, not only was already in his car when he pulled up to go into the bank, but then when he came out. And so then you see the police chief, Jimmy Jones, chase right after him. And uh, the pursuit goes on from there. So, you know, whenever there's a, a, you know, the bank robber, we need to find out. uh, We interview the bank tellers, the manager. Um, we get all the information that we can from the scene, uh, fingerprinting if we need to, um, you know, we have all the video surveillance. We have all, we have the photos, we have the note, we collect everything, you know, uh, we'll put it in bags We'll you know, fingerprint analysis. I mean, you name it, we'll do it. Um, so we processed everything inside that bank, but also we needed to know how much money was, was, uh, that he got away with how much was given. And he actually had a little over $10,000 is what he ended up having in cash, which we recovered. So what do you do at this point? Well, the day's over with. So none of those bank employees are going to be coming back to work, right? That bank's pretty much shut down for the day. Um, and it's the day before Thanksgiving. So 
you know, we will provide some sort of counselors or assistance that they need in like a victim's awareness, um, you know, for the tellers that could be shooken up about it. I head back now to the jail because now that the, the money has been recollected, uh, has been collected, um, the photographs have been taken, the vehicle has been towed, um, and it's at a lot for, you know, for the crime scene to work on. Everything has, is going into its plan, and I finally get to the bank to sit down and talk to him. And Woody meets me over there, along with state police bomb squad, FBI, ATF. <laughs> so there's all of us over there. Get him into this room, and again, you know, we buy some of his rights. And that's when he starts breaking down of exactly why he put his plan in motion. Um, Woody, do you have anything you want to add at this point? No, I just. You know that uh, it's just amazing that the you know you hear us talk about the two different types of criminals. You know the um, is it, and that prisons are full of dummies, right? And and I mean Jimmy was sitting, and a lot of times Jimmy would sit right there in the parking lot. It's a really small parking lot to uh, for the police station, and as a matter of fact, the cars have to, you can park only like four vehicles there and have to be parked at a diagonal, uh, at an angle, <coughs> to, excuse me, to stop from blocking the front door. And a lot of times Jimmy would sit there, and, and I mean, because that's the main intersection, the stoplight's right there, and he would just sit there, and watch the school zone or, or of course school wasn't in that day, but I mean, he was sitting in his car. I mean, don't you think if I'm going to rob a bank across from the police station, I'm a, I'm a, I might have at least gone and disabled the police car, sl- slit their tires or done something, but I damn sure would make sure they weren't sitting in the vehicle when I went in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I finally get a chance to actually talk to um, to Michael and I say we advise him of his rights and just gave him his opportunity. And I will tell you, that he, he at least he wasn't lying about it. Um, he said openly from the beginning that he had gone in there originally to get a loan and he tried convincing the loan officer to give him the loan. Cause he kept saying he needed it for his children, but he got denied and he said one way or another, he needed that money. So when he left the bank, you know, he looked around and he didn't, he thought that it was a bank that he could probably get away with this at, which never factored the police station across the street. Yes. But and he went home that night. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Police station across the street, one road through town, I mean, it's just it I, about a mile from the interstate. No, 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 no. It's a lot further than a mile. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's right. like it's, ten it's, miles it's, to the interstate fifty-five. And if you go, if you go to twelve through Albany, it's further than that. And 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 I mean, there's no way to get away. Uh, uh, if you went south, it had the curvy road that you came up. If you continue to go west on on forty-two, I mean. That, that runs parallel with the interstate, but there's, there's no roads that go off of it till you get to 444. Then, I mean, there's just no way, right. no way the dude was getting away. He took the right on 42 going towards <clears throat> Albany towards the interstate, but he was still a long ways away. 
I mean, just, yeah, no, you're right about it, that. I was thinking of Horseshoe, which which is yeah. south of the, but yeah, it is much further south than that. Yeah. But uh, he just, you're right. He, he he didn't play anything out. But go ahead, go ahead. You were saying he he said that he could he thought he could get away with it. So he thought he could get away with it, and so when he was sitting at home that evening, he was denied. He came up with the plan of robbing the bank. So he went and grabbed a couple of paintball tubes that his kids had. And that's where he decided that, well, I'm going to try to do the best I can to make this look like a bomb. So he went and grabbed some sand from outside and some little pebbles and, you know, just punched out a couple of holes at the top of the tubes uh, on the container there. And he cut up some wires that he had and he put the wires in there and he ended up rigging it all together, twisted the wires, just made it all look real. And then he, put a bunch of tape around it to make it look bulky and to look like an actual bomb. So then he went and he put that inside of the, uh, the neon and he waited till the next day. So the next day comes around, kids are off and he goes ahead and leaves his house with a pair of jeans on and his, you know, shirts and, but he already had the black sweatpants and the black hoodie sweater inside the the neon and he leaves. He actually thought about it for a little bit to make sure that this is what he was going to do. And then he decided, well, I'm going to put my plan into action. So he went ahead and um, right there in the car, he he slipped the sweatpants on over the, even over the shoes, he just put the sweatpants on, threw the sweatshirt over the top, put on his sunglasses. When he pulled into the parking lot, he took the device, stuffed it into the left part of his sweater, had it zipped up just enough so it wouldn't fall out, <clears throat> put on his shades, and boom. He had his note that he had already written up, and he walked right up to the teller, handed her the note. And he said, the teller didn't even have to say anything to me. She just put the money in the bag. She gave it to me, and I took off. And he said that when he got outside, he dropped the device in the parking lot on purpose because he felt that nobody would chase him if they knew that that device was there would just hold everybody in their position and that he could give him enough time to get away. So that was a planned thing. Um, you know, it wasn't like it just ran out like he was running out and it just popped on out of there. He purposely dropped that. So after he dropped it and then he got in and the police pursuit was on, um, he knew he was screwed. Um, so, but he wanted to get away, eventually got cornered in and then he just went into apologizing. He didn't mean to hurt anybody. He didn't want that. He just wanted money for his children and that's all that he wanted. Um, he didn't lie about it. He just flat out. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, so at least, at least he was an honest criminal, right? I mean, he might not have been the smartest, but at least he was honest. Well, he spent he spent, say what? he spent much more time planning or making the fake bomb than he did planning the bank robbery. I mean, he's just a fucking dumbass, is what I say. And you can use the yeah. excuse about your kids and shit. He's a, he's a dumbass. And, uh, you know, I hope his kids don't grow up to be a dumbass like him. Uh, the, uh, like I said, prisons are full of dumb criminals. Y'all, yeah, 
I have a photographic memory, and and like I said, I spent so many nights in in that town in that bank parking lot. It's the absolute worst bank to rob in the United States of America, and and, and then then just yeah. to roll up and not even see what the you know the police are doing that they're sitting there watching, literally watching, uh, uh <laughs> watching the intersection in the bank parking lot. I mean, it's just it amazes me how dumb some people are. I mean, even if you factor in the fact that he's 22 years old, the I don't see his IQ getting that much higher. I mean, and he's a hell of a lot older now. It's 14 years later, so he's uh, 32, 36 years old in prison, and I'm sure he's still being stupid today. And don't feel sorry. I mean, when you, when you use a, a 95 Plymouth Neon, that was the first indicator. Yeah, right. And, and Not real. Oh, and oh, oh, and I did, and I did ask him this. I did ask him if he ever realized if the police department was across the street. Do you know what? No shit. He actually stated that he had no idea that the Springfield Police Department was across the street. He did not know <laughs> that the police chief was sitting in there. When he pulled in, he was so focused on the bank on the other side of the street that he never bothered to literally turn, look and go, Hey, look, there's a police car in a police station. Well, the, never thing, the thing is it says Springfield police department. And it even has a hanging sign that says Springfield police department. And there's no vehicles that park in that parking lot. But I, I could say it's parking lot. Literally you can park two cars diagonal at an angle on each side of that parking lot and they're police vehicles. And they, they had at least two units at, at all time. Cause uh, a lot of times at nighttime, they had uh, uh, a, a guy that would stay out. And so they had at least two, two officers. Now Jimmy had a take home unit, but the rest of them had to share the unit. So it was always a unit there. The, which goes back to my point of he spent much more time in making his dumbass paintball bomb than he did thinking about committing the crime. I mean, if I'm going to commit the crime, I'm going to know, you know, every building that's around it, every road to get away, everything else. Is, so just a, just a dumbass. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't do a real good reconnaissance on that one. Yeah. And I mean, you can't miss it. <laughs> and then, then you, there's an abandoned building directly across the street with no sign on it. And, there's nothing to to the left of it. The, uh, there's a, there's a road that runs off into the bottom down and and into the hood down there. But the the uh, that's it. I mean, and it's two lane road, red lights right there. It's the police station and the bank and the school across the street. Yep. Right. So. Yep. Uh, so and, we and, went through the rest of the the process. You know, he he. Uh, you know, has his arraignment, pleads not guilty just so they can hear what they've got. Uh, at the end of the day, as it goes through, you know, the pleading, uh, pleading out, pleading guilty. Um, and he's still, still sitting in jail. Yeah. He's got a lot of time for that. Yeah. And he caught, he caught more than, than just the, uh, uh, the bank robbery charges. He caught like, you know, they charged him with a lot of stuff. The bomb took it to a whole new level and then leaving the bomb. Ter- yeah, I got ter- him with a terror- terrorism, right, ter- charge. terrorism charge for leaving. Or terrorizing. Right. Leaving the bomb and, and all that. And the feds love to pick up a, a slam dunk case like that. And, and so, but it doesn't matter. The, uh, for those of you 
bleeding heart liberals out there who uh, felt bad when he said he needed money for his kids. You're not talking about somebody who needed money to feed his kids. Okay. He has paintball guns. He has, you know, all this, all the you know, toys and shit that, uh, I mean, paintball guns are expensive. Right. And, and I mean, he wanted 12. He had a 000. substance abuse problem. Yeah, that's exactly right. He's full of shit. I and mean, he didn't need money for his kids. That's what, I mean, he, he was doing. He's minimizing his, his stupidity or trying to put, you know, pulling heartstrings or whatever. That was a crock of shit. He went mm-hmm. to get money to get high as the holidays and the, you know, why you would drive way out to Springfield to try to get a bank loan when you live in Hammond and Hammond is a, is a big city y'all uh, uh by Louisiana standards and it has about 50 banks in it right so it's not next door <laughs> it's just a dumbass man just a dumb. the that's why the criminal mind always fascinates me and and I I love catching what I call the good bad good bad guys which are the ones that are hard to catch but then you just run across a few turds every once in a while like this guy uh, um i mean just the only thing he did his real biggest crime honestly because he was never going to get away with this was fucking up everybody's day and evening and and shutting down uh you know that's a that even though it's a small town that's the only road in into Livingston Parish from Tangipahoa from there. And a lot of people work in Hammond and or New Orleans and, and commute back and forth. And you know, you got people. It, you, I could, if I had gone that way, I couldn't have got to my house, which is about 15 miles south of there. Uh, because that's the only road that runs down through the south in the Livingston Parish, Highway 22. The, and, and so that's, I mean, it's, it just fucked up everybody's day. And including his and, and well, you know, well, mine too, because uh, my father came to town that Tuesday. Yeah, and that I was only going to work half day. Always <laughs> happens, always happens. I guarantee when you're a detective, if, if it's a holiday or if it's your, <laughs> if, you, if you, if it's your birthday or, or your wife or your kid's birthday or it's Christmas or you got something important to do, uh, and you're going to try to squeeze it in. No, the, the body's going to hit the ground somewhere. The blood's going to spurt or some asshole like this is just really going to screw it up. And this is like this. It, it, it takes much longer to work a bank robbery with a bomb than it did. You, you could have worked three homicides <laughs> in the time it took to work this case uh, because everybody has to get involved. Exactly. And, it is, and then it's a it's not a pissing contest, but it's whose balls are bigger and. Who has authority and, you know, let's show them we can do this job better than them. And I mean, it's, it's a whole lot of shit that goes into it. But it, I mean, it, yeah, it, it becomes a turf war. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, I mean, that goes all the way from Jimmy all the way up. Although I know Jimmy, I mean, he's like, he's like, okay, let them handle it. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Right. And then, you know, that Jim, that, that bank has been robbed several times since Jimmy's been chief. Uh, uh, and I, 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 to this day, I'll never understand why somebody robs that bank when it's directly across the street from the police department. So we'll have to get Jimmy on one day and tell us some of the other stories, the, the dumbasses that have robbed yeah. the bank. And none of them have ever gotten yep. away. 
none of it. Uh, uh, but anyway. Yep. Needless to say, y'all, I got home super late that night. I was supposed to be a half day, but my father's very cool and he completely understands. But, uh, you know, like what he said, whenever you try the holidays, whenever you try to get that little time off, something's going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, it, and it's a story we'll touch on another time, but that following month, same thing, my dad came to town and I ended up working this really bad sex crimes case over the entire holiday season, yeah. uh, over that Christmas vacation time. Um, but we'll touch, touch base on that at another, uh, another episode that's probably gonna be more than one episode <clears throat> but yeah <laughs> it never fails never fails guaranteed uh just amazing but so y'all a little bit different uh, you know not not a bloody murder or or rape story whatever but every once in a while we like to change it up to you know give you the full spectrum of the uh, of the Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. The criminal mind from the geniuses to the dumbasses. And this guy's just Woody, real life. Yeah, real, real, crime. real life, real crime. But it's just just one of the young and dumb. We probably should change the title from that because I you can't even really blame it on just being young. He's just dumb. But uh dumb. Dumb dumb. And that's what we should call it, dumb dumb. Uh, uh, anyway, y'all, I hope you enjoyed the episode. This is the end of season three. We have a lot of exciting things, uh, um, coming up for real life, real crime, including we have professional. I know we've improved audio and stuff a lot, but we have some professional stuff coming. Uh, you want to touch on it, Jim? Say that again, buddy. We have so and we we have this is in the season three. We have obviously yeah. improved our audio, but we have some professional stuff coming. Uh, we do for season four, and I wanted you to touch on that for a second. We do, yeah. So you know, we created the YouTube channel, but we want it to be right, so you guys can actually see Woody and I as we actually record live. Dogs you're hearing in the background, um, but. <clears throat> Hey, unedited. Sorry, hey, but uh, you'll be able to—you'll actually be able to see us. 
What's that? I said, I got birds chirping outside my window and, and <laughs> you got dogs barking. I'm watching a duck dive but, in the pond right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you'll, you'll be able to actually see us. So we'll, we'll put it up on YouTube. You can actually see Woody and I recordings. You can actually see our faces. Um, and we'll, it's a new approach to it. Wow. Uh, remember, hey, we have our Instagram channels, our uh, Instagram follow us on there. Overton underscore, or, I'm sorry, Overton Woody, Jim underscore Rathman, and Real Life Real Crime. Those are the three Instagrams. Follow us there. Uh, our Real Life Real Crime YouTube channel. We also have our Facebook page. The crew page has been growing like crazy. Um, just so many great things happening, but you're going to have professional studio like, um, episodes coming up here season four so it's definitely something to look forward to if you haven't subscribed to our youtube channel go ahead and do it um and we're gonna get hot to trot on this let me throw this out there too todd delaney who's the the manager of kslu radio at southeastern um i didn't get to tell you this yet jim but he he emailed me uh, or a video from the, uh, the lives that we did. And the, I, I got it late last night. I couldn't get everything to download, but he also teaches, uh, uh, you know, this part, he teaches a podcast class at Southeastern. He is hooking Jim and I up. Not a, we have somebody else that's hooking us up with the video in, but he's hooking us up with the audio system where we no longer have to do it like we're doing, uh, uh, which is, be honest with y'all, Jim's on his cell phone and I'm playing him through my Alexa into now a roadcaster, or, you know, where I'm recording one is nice, but we're up in our game people and, and patron members that, uh, that's a you know, huge part of what, you know, your donations go to is, 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 uh, we're always trying to improve, even though we are raw and unscripted. And we're not the big production companies and all that. We're the, the season four is going to be better. The, the videos, if you want to watch it live, we're going to go live before we do the videos. So everybody, we can say hi to everybody and, you know, chat back and forth like a dark poutine. Uh, one of our uh, good friends shows in Canada, they do that. They'll spend like 30 or 40 minutes chatting with the fans and, um, before they before they do the recording, then they turn that off, except for their patron members. And then the patron members get to watch the actual live recording of, of the episode uh, and all that. So we're, we're improving, and it's going to be a whole different level. Now, one of the reasons why is, again, because of the patron support. that Y'all, you know, we, we have a lot of uh, – we love all our fans, and, and – and, regardless of whether or not you be a patron member or not, but patron members, I just want you to know that the, we're taking it up a notch and, uh, the, you know, in the future when we have commercials and we're going to have to do that because our numbers are so high now and, and we have, you know, full-time jobs and we need to support our families and stuff like that. Hey, it just hosts in the podcast itself. I mean, that we have monthly fees and all this stuff, but patron members, you'll, any episodes in the future that have commercials on it, you'll get it uh, commercial free uh, and, and all that. So, but it's just a lot of exciting stuff. Got to give a shout out to Buddy's Barbecue in Denham Springs, Louisiana. These people hooked us up for the lives. They uh, Saturday night for the lives. They they fed Gemini, and 
everybody that was working with us on the lives, including, including, uh, Kelly Jennings, uh, with the Livingston Parish Livingston Technology Center, Kim Alvin, the principal, um, our Darren Sibley. Thanks, Darren. Darren uh, provided security for Jim and I. And um, my boy, Darren. Yeah. And then, um, you know, my wife and, and some lifers that we had there helping with tickets and merchandise and stuff like that. Crystal Hardison. Uh, uh, Crystal Hardison, my dear sweet lady from, uh, Southeastern. And so the buddies barbecue stepped up and hooked us up and look, they didn't, they didn't go half ass. I mean, they really, it, it was, it was a big plate with a bunch of, uh, awesome sliced smoked smoked uh brisket jeez it was delicious mm-hmm. wasn't it jim and then a big pile of sausage they they make their own sausage and, and smoke their own sausage and, and then it had uh some of the best baked beans i've had and in the baked beans was actual like uh pieces of brisket and then a, a big thing of potato salad and then they, they must have brought us 20 boxes so i mean really appreciate that Giving them they hooked it up. Thank you guys so and very they, much for doing they, that. They, they asked, they asked, could they do it? And they, and they didn't ask for a shout out or anything like that. But I'm telling you, if you're in Denham Springs, you want some good barbecue, you go there. And, and, and they're awesome. And I, Jim, the next time you're in town, we got to go in and sit in and, and, uh, you know, have a, have a chat with them and maybe go live with them and, and pump them up. So, <laughs> but they hooked us up. We'll do it next week. Uh, yeah. And then, um, what else? Oh, I, I want to talk real quick. The Yolanda Reason is, is a lifer and out of a Bulls parish. And Jim, I, uh, she, she didn't get to go to Lies because she didn't get a ticket, but you, you got to meet her before the Lies because she came to, I did. to, to walk on anyway. <clears throat> yeah, she came to walk on with her family and took some photos and signed right. some stuff with them. They're very sweet. She's, Career law enforcement, y'all. Yeah, she, uh, her husband was career law enforcement. She, she, uh, does 911 dispatch stuff. Also career, sweet, sweet, sweetheart lady of a lady. But what you don't know is she's been working behind the scenes to get us a show and help me find a location in, in Marksville for us to do another live. Just, uh, just a diehard fan was she messaged Jim and I the other day and, and asked, could she get a tattoo or LRC tattoo with her emblem on it? And I'm like, Shit, hell yeah, do it. It she got it and in it is amazing, dude. I'm going to get one. I'm going to that guy. Let me look it up real quick. The, uh did you see it, Jim? I did. She sent me some photos of it. Um they did a did a fantastic job on that. The, uh, looked really good. The the, the uh the, the guy also does this like three D butterfly. And a bunch of, that was Courtney Coco's thing was a butterfly. And, uh, they're going to, a bunch of them are going to go get this tattooed on it. But it's, so it's Roldan's, R-O-L-D-A-N, Posh V-S, tattoos and body piercing. It's in Rapids Parish. I think y'all, it's, uh, it's in, uh, Pineville, Louisiana, 5129 Louisiana, Highway 28, Pineville, Louisiana. Dude, amazing. And Yolanda, we love you. I just thought, thought it'd be fun to give her a shout out. I mean, the, uh, we got the best fans in the world and y'all the, at the lives, we had fans come in from, uh, one elderly couple. I will say elderly. They're older than me. And I guess I'm, I'm about to be 50. So, but they, they drove eight hours from Jacksonville, Florida to, to just to see our show. 
We had uh, yep. another. We had a sweet lady Thursday night. She drove in from Memphis. Nor- north of Memphis, like an hour north of Memphis. North of Memphis. Shit, that's a ride, Hoss. We had yeah. a sweet lady from Mississippi. She came in. Super sweet. We, we had tons um, of fans. We had some came, came in from Dallas. That's, that's a solid nine-hour drive. The uh, We had a bunch of them from Houston. Every night from Houston, south yep. of Houston. We had San Antonio, Austin. Uh, to come in just to hear Jim and I do our thing. And, and yeah. so what Jordan, her friends from, from Houston, that was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, the, just, it was awesome event. And we want to thank the, uh, Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center again in Southeastern and KSLU radio. Um, what, what I had one. Oh, the, we got to talk about it, Jim. Uh, we got to do something. We we got our one. We did a lot of interviews last week. A course or morning advocate interview came out. Y'all know about that. We went. It I got picked up by the AP Wire. We went nationwide, which was awesome. Uh, Brian Haldane, who's uh, has an awesome the, the top rated talk radio show in the mornings in Baton Rouge. Uh, Jim got in contact with him. He was reading all the morning advocate article the next morning. And was just talk about us on the air. Jim called him, and we went in uh, yesterday and did a, did a on air interview with him, which was awesome. So thanks, Brian. We appreciate that. And then y'all tune into the show if you don't listen. One hundred seven point three Talk. I believe he just starts the show at six a.m. Um, but he's a hell of a guy. Uh, I mean, he was just great to talk with, hang out with. But really, really, really nice man. He's gonna uh, come to one of our lives here in the near future. Yeah. Super pumped up about that. We're going to take care of him. Yeah, and his show is really interesting. I mean, it's not like the old ones where they get stuck on one topic. He's, he rolls people in and out, right, from all all uh, different topics. So, But the really interesting show. And um, who else is going to – I'm going to thank Jim. The, uh, oh, so the we, we did – Last week we did the uh, podcast for the Livingston Parish News, and and uh, David McHugh, great guy, Jim and I did that, and that that was on one of the days of the lives, wasn't it, Jim? On Friday, I think. Friday, and then Friday. Uh, so that yeah. was awesome. But this is what I want to talk about. On that uh, interview, we uh, Jim, Jim gave the information for Lopa, and we will do that again in just a second. But we, the, look, y'all, the Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center is setting the, their students up for lives. They, they, like the criminal justice students, when they graduate, they're 911 certified and, you know, they, they're post certified in the firearms part of the police course. And just, though it is so much more than that, they have the mechanics division and they have the, they even have a, a full ambulance and stuff like that. But they, what they're trying to do is get 1,000 donors to sign up by the end of the school year uh, um, to save lives. Mm-hmm. And, and we right, threw down the gauntlet that we were going to help them get that. And, and then I, I said, you know what? With all our fans, we can get double that. And we can. You know, yeah. and, 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 and so we're going to do something. Um, I, I got, it's going to be something impromptu next weekend where, uh, I have to get with Kelly Jennings on it and, and Lori Steele, who works for, the, uh, Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. She's involved with her on that. But the, um, 
we're going to do something, y'all, but maybe announce an afternoon, uh, uh, like a four hour deal for meet and greet somewhere local where you can come out and only, it, only thing it's going to cost it is, is for you to sign up at the table right there become a be donor. to become a donor. And so let's get them their, their numbers. Jim, give them the information. So if for, you're talking about for the, where to go to, for, to download for, or yeah, to for, register? For, yeah, for Lopa. Yeah. Yeah. So you go to uh, lopa.org backslash LTC. And when you go on there, there's actually different drop down menus. If you're out of town, there's a drop down menu for you on that. Out of um, state. Out of state also. For out of state, excuse me, out of state. For if you're out of state, there's a drop down for it. And if you're in state, there's a drop down as well. And it's the criminal justice students. Right. Got to make sure you get that on your drop down. It's incredibly important that you do that. That way that counts towards their numbers for their goal. Let me tell you, um, this Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center, I have a, a bunch of love for them over there because they are doing things. They're setting kids up when you graduate, when you're 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, you actually have a career you can immediately go into. Uh, they are just a special group of people that are doing some incredible work. Um, it's not like they fall under the funding you get at a lot of these other institutions. Um, they are making things happen. I mean, uh, the stuff that they're doing and, and what they need, I have no problem volunteering my time to help out any way that I can. Woody's been over there. I'm going to go there and teach some classes. Um, you know, they're coordinating with, with those that are first responders, combat medics. They're going over there and teaching, and, and these students are armed with the ability to go out and get work immediately. And I just have so much respect for that because they're, they're teaching them a skill. They're teaching them a job trait that they can actually go out and start earning money for their families. Not all these students come from, you know, incredibly wealthy families. Uh, and not uh, everybody's going to go to college. to work, immediately graduate. Not everybody's yeah, going to go to a four-year college, right? Uh, uh, and, and, exactly. So. The, uh, and now they're able to hit the workforce and get started, and they're able to do it, and they have a skill set, and they have a qualification that's unique, and um, they can go out and get employment opportunities right away and start contributing, you know, helping out with their communities, but more importantly, helping out for their family. Yeah, and, um, just they do, they're doing such incredible work, and I love those ladies. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, and we're going to help you as much as we can. Absolutely. And the other thing about it, y'all, think about it. If I just started when I was 18. Uh, um, in which they can start in corrections, you know, and the, you can retire when you, when you're 38, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're 20 years in, but the, uh, they, they're just, they're doing a lot, of, a lot of great things, but they're doing a lot of great things for the community. And Crystal Harrison is, mm -hmm. is a uh, part of that, but the Southeastern does, um, classes there in the, like conversational Spanish and, and, uh, local businesses are, are sending their employees to that so they, they can interact better with the Hispanic community and stuff like that. It's just so, it's just a great place and, and, and great people. Jim, let me say this real quick before you get information on the donor. Uh, we have a lifer. Uh, I'm just going to give her first name. It's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N. And I've been communicating with them since way back in, I'm looking at my messages now on Facebook. Uh, and I never talked about this before, but the, uh, anyway, Kristen has, has, 
cystic fibrosis and the her and her mom had to move to Durham, North Carolina, and they're from the LP from Livingston Parish. And uh, she had to have a double lung transplant done at Duke. And uh, they're from Denham Springs. Uh, they love the podcast. And, and you know, she said they she spent many a sleepless night worrying about Kristen until she found her podcast. She said she goes to sleep every night listening to the show, and it keeps her from dwelling on her night. Um, anyway, paraphrase it up. That, that was a long time ago, but we talked a lot. And, and Kristen is actually the one, uh, um, who turned her mom on to, right? And so I, I actually called and spoke with her, um, way back before Thanksgiving and talked with him on the phone and everything. And so Kristen is, is a real life example of organ donors. She would not be alive today had somebody not donated their, their lungs when they died. And, uh, so, but Kristen, you know, it's been a long battle. And I've been in contact with him over the months, but just this week, her mama sent me a thing because she heard us talk, Jim, you, you give them the information about Lopa and she said, you know, it just means everything that it's the gift of life. I mean, Kristen wouldn't be alive. Um, the, uh, they want to do something that, uh, you know, to help tell the story, to get the organ don- uh, donors, you know, to put the human face on people hear us talking about it. But I guess unless you have a family member or something that is living because of it, I don't, I don't think that people really get it. Um, but Kristen is supposed to have one more surgery, Jim on, on the 10th of February and they can finally come home and they've been up there forever. I mean, like wow. Amazing. Whole, whole big family from Livingston Parish went up there for Thanksgiving and stuff like that. And you know, it's hard. People, but the, uh, it's just amazing. So whoever donated Christmas long, God bless you. And, and I know you're in heaven and y'all let's get these people. Let, let's it's your last act of a good deed, right? That's it, man. And, 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 and you're not going to know it. I mean, they don't harvest it from you. If, if you, if you're awake, I mean, you're already, you're gone. You're hooked up to the machine. Uh, uh, Matter of fact, I'm donating. You know, I'm a donor, Jim, and I'm not only going to donate my organs if if they'll take old old man's organs, but the if not, I'm donating my body to, to science to the body farm and let them do something. Never. Uh, I'm, I'm serious. I'm gonna let them. I'm, you I'm you never them. you never know whose life you can save. You never know how you're going to help out. I know for me, I'm an organ donor. If I'm already dead, there's nothing I can do about that. But you know what? You never know. It could be. If you're out there listening, it could be your family member, it could be your child, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, whoever is close to you. It could be my organ might go, or one of my organs might go to save your family member. And so, you know, if that's the last act of good deed that I could possibly do, even though I don't know it, I'm doing it. So well, go out there and become a donor. It's not, it's not the first one family I've been involved with. The, um, the, the, the other one, the, the young lady, um, it was a homicide and, and, but she lived, uh, you know, on, on the machines and she was brain dead, but all her organs went out. And, and I mean, including one of them to this, that's a doctor, uh, uh, who saves lives every day now. And, and I mean, there's, there's people out there, y'all, that are literally being kept alive on these machines and stuff and they just need, uh, 
organs. I mean, it's the gift of life. I'd be a hero. So, Jim, if you'll give the information, just give, can you give it one more time? You know I'm bad with information like that. It's L-O-P-A dot org backslash L-T-C. You have two drop-down menus. If you're in-state of Louisiana, there's a drop-down menu for you, and you go ahead and make sure it's criminal justice students. And if you're out of state, there's a drop-down menu for you, and make sure you hit the criminal justice students. This is all for the Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center. Right. Uh, amazing work. And, Keep that up, everybody over and, there. And from, we and, love you. and from what I understand, even if you already are an organ donor, you can still go do it, and, and, and it doesn't hurt mm-hmm. the numbers, uh, and it updates the, yeah, updates you in the system. Y'all, let's help these the, these young adults um, achieve their goal. And, I mean, we got well over 13,000 just in a private crew page. You know, yesterday I went and did the uh, thing with Courtney's family, the protest in, 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 um, Alexandria and we had 20 something thousand views, uh, yesterday evening on that. Right. I mean, if just, you know, a couple of y'all go out there and, and just take a couple yeah. minutes and do it and save a life. All right. I'll get off the soapbox, but the, uh, love and appreciate each and every one of you. So yeah, actually want to, want to change gears real quick because we have a huge following out. If you're still listening to this, out in Australia, we have a wonderful following out in Australia. We have some incredible lifers out there, but they are dealing with some terrible, terrible brush fires going on out of their land, their homes, um, you know, the animals, just the place is on fire and it's sad and they're going to need some help. So be paying attention to the the Australians and what they've got going on over there. Uh, I'm sure at some point or another they're going to need some help. Um, that's what we do as a world and a community. We help one another. Uh, there are some wonderful lifers that we have out there. Some of them have already been affected by these brush fires. Um, you know, some of them haven't been affected just yet, and we're hoping that they don't. But keep them in your thoughts and in your prayers, and just you know, be be mindful of what's going on over there and pay attention because they may need some help. We love y'all there in Australia. Um, we hope to be able to see you guys soon, but we're thinking of you. We're praying for you. Um, we have your backs 100%. Let us know what we can do. Let me touch on it, Jim, and thanks for bringing it up. The Actually, two of our Dream Team moderators are from Australia also, but that it's not just Rush Fry. That country, that whole – and Australia is a big country. That whole damn thing's burning almost, and it's the largest fires in the history of the world uh, in a country now we love our californians and we know uh, um like we have hurricane season here it, 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 i mean it's sad the the i've lost everything in, in 2016 uh in the flood everything and i know what it's like to, to show to show up and, and have nothing left and right so these fires burning down homes and stuff you'll never know what it's like until you go through it. So we're not making light of the fires in California or Colorado, anywhere else, Alaska, but this shit in, in Australia is bad. I mean, it's killing millions and not only the, uh, uh, burning down homes and stuff like that, but all the wildlife. I mean, it's killing like whole species. Uh, uh, and it's the, I've never seen anything quite like it. And one of our lifers, uh, sent us a message at the saying, Hey, can you, 
can give a uh, talk about it and, and just bring some awareness to it. And uh, she, and she lost everything. And, and, uh, but she said, listening to real life, real crime makes her feel a little bit better. takes her mind off of it for a little while. Uh, but Hey, we love you. And Australia is our second largest country only second to the United States for real life, real crime and fan numbers. And we're in a whole bunch of countries and the Australians love their true crime. Like I said, two of our dream team moderators are from there from different parts of the country and our prayers go out to y'all and, and we'll, we keep an eye on it. And, and hopefully, I mean, if you, if listening to us, uh, shoot the breeze, uh, you know, for an hour or whatever can take your mind off of it. Then that's the least that we can do. So, and you know what? And anybody else that's going through anything, whatever you may be, hey, we're praying for you too. Uh, um, so, you there, Jim? All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So, so we thank you guys for everything. Thank you for all the love and support. Yeah, Patreon members, you're gonna get your episode. Uh, it's tomorrow, Super Bowl Sunday, so we'll, we'll just put it out on Monday, and then um, your your full length bonus episode and that'll make seven or eight that we have locked up and so if y'all run out right. of episodes and you want more of us then uh go join patrons so but uh, all you fans we love you uh we love and appreciate each and every one of you thank you for liking and sharing us and leaving us the reviews on itunes and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts we're um you're awesome and Jim Raffman, I love you, brother. And, um, Too, bud. I appreciate it. And y'all, until next time or ever, don't let us catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.